maybe in the back, uh, with Linda coming in. I don't know if she has one. All right. Uh, if your book looks a little funny as you go through it, it's because you're truly bound it, and I'm not a book finder by trade. And so by the 11th book, I figured it out. So if you got some weird holes in some places, that's me. Um, we are in uh, a new um, venture together. We're going to be talking about uh, evangelism. But the title of this class is uh, Giving Our Lives. And we'll talk more about what that means and why. Um, but before we jump into some of these things tonight, let's, uh, let's go to our God in prayer on these things. Our dear God, our Father, our King, we are so thankful for you tonight. Thankful, God, uh, for those who love us, those who care for us in this life. We're mindful when we think about sharing the good news that it was once shared with us. And we are so thankful, God, for your workers and your kingdom that have helped us in our lives, not only to begin in the gospel, but to continue. We pray, God, that as we study these things together, that we would talk and share uh, in the gospel together and strive together in our faith. We're thankful for Jesus and for the forgiveness he offers in his blood. We pray, begging you of that, um, that we know that we cannot stand here on our own, that you have given us your grace and your goodness. It's in Jesus that we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, go ahead and turn. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about some different things uh, regarding the book as we go, but we're going to jump into page five tonight. We'll jump into page five. Um, need a book? I got one. Okay. Need a book? All right. Um, sounds like I'm selling them, um, but they're free. Um, but uh, page five, it says. A class about evangelism, ideas for bringing Christ into others' lives. So, full disclosure about this material. Um, some of the material I gleaned from a mentor of mine sitting in his class and some of the things that he was able to, uh, to communicate in his evangelism class. Some of it I've gleaned from other places, so you'll kind of see the type differences there. When it's purple, it's more of uh, my mentor's uh, material, and some of the other stuff is, is mine uh, woven in there of things that I've learned um, with evangelism. So this question here at the top, have you ever thought, where do I begin? This class is going to be a little different, because I'm going to read a little bit to you here, um, and not do as much text as I want to, but let's talk about this. The prospect of go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, Mark 16, 15, can be a daunting task. And even with all the best of intentions, we are sometimes intimidated away from our goal of saving souls. Let's just start in right there. What is intimidating about evangelism? Just, let's share. What are some things? Some people get mad when they discuss things with them that they don't already agree Okay, so uh, you might have some bad experiences even in the past, or you've heard of horror stories, people get mad. Other things? Rejection. Rejection, okay, good. Yes, uh, being asked something you don't know the answer to, feeling stupid, right? Hold on. Huh? Uh, feeling ignorant. Um, what else? Yes. Um, 
Okay, relationships, friendships. Uh, there's some carefulness. What if, what, what if I step on holy ground here? We won't be friends. Knocking on doors, uh, strangers' doors. Okay, are you saying that that's intimidating? Or that's not what you want to do? Okay, all right. Family never talking to you again. Okay, so the friends and the family situation. Yes, yes. I'll share one of mine. Um, I, I think it's intimidating to go into the unknown. There is a thousand different directions this might go, a little bit with what Rachel was saying. What's going to happen when I open this door? And it's just, I don't know, I got a little cold chills of thinking about that. What's going to happen when this happens? When I actually take a step out? Um, and, and one of the things that I want to emphasize in this class is that God saved us and put us in the body to work together. A great uh, modern term we use is team. We are a team. In Philippians 1, we talked about how we're striving together, shoulder to shoulder, for the faith of the gospel. We are working together in this. You are not alone. It's not like we come in here and we say, great, and then see you later. I hope it goes well with you with sharing the gospel. We have each other as a support system. Um, we are Christ's body in the world, and so we're, we're sharing in that together. Now, let's, let's look any other comments or questions on that before we keep going. So this next paragraph. Our purpose in this class, this is page five, our purpose in this class is not to teach anyone a specific method, but rather the thought process that one must go through in order to effectively win souls. By the time you filter that information through your own mind and abilities, it may look different than your brother or your sister in the class next to you, and that is okay. These are the basics, and for anyone who has a Bible, a heart for lost people, and a mind to work, that will be enough. All right, let's get back up to the beginning of that paragraph. I said that there's, we're, the purpose of this class is not to teach one specific method. Is there one method of bringing people to Christ? How do you know that there's not one method? Because we have different methods, examples of different methods in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, in the book of Acts, you have people in different places that, yes, the obedience to the gospel is the same, but where that person starts, think about the people in this room. Think about how we came to Christ. Did all of us come the same way? That's different. Uh, different avenues were used um, and different ways that the gospel reached us. But then all of us did learn the same gospel, but all of us are different in that way. And so that's the same for this class. I'm not going to try to teach one method. But I will say this. There is a logical thought progression. A logical thought progression. You're going to hear me say this a lot in the class. So put this in your mind when you're talking with people. It's been very helpful for me, and I have to remind myself of it. Begin in the beginning. Begin in the beginning. I'm not talking about Genesis 1-1. 
I'm talking about their beginning. What is this person's beginning that I'm talking to? Let me give you an example. I want everybody to go door knocking with me this week. We're going to go door knocking. Sorry, Fred. And we're going to go house to house, and we're going to try to teach people how to draw water from a well with a bucket. We're going to try to teach people that. We're going to try to convince them, you need this information. Let me help you and teach you this. What's going to happen to this? They they won't think they have the necessity for that. Is it needed? That's not even needed in this situation. That what you're speaking about is not even relevant to me. You see what I'm saying? About the beginning... So, for, here's an example. If I tell somebody, you know, Jesus was the sacrifice for their sins. Well, that's true, right? It's true. But how impactful is that when you don't know what sins are? You don't really know what sins are. And you don't really understand what a sacrifice is. So, if you say, Jesus was a sacrifice for your sins, what does that mean to somebody? We're speaking Greek. What do they understand that to mean? We have to be able to begin in their beginning. So the first part of this class, the first few lessons, we're going to talk about our mindset and what, and what we need to have in our hearts as we're going through there at the end. It says that these are base, the basics for anyone who has a Bible and a heart for lost people. We're going to talk about our hearts first. Then we'll get to the progression, the, what some logical progressions that we need to have with people Wherever their beginning is, where we need to take them. Um, Again, there's not going to be a particular method, but there'll be some step A, B, C that you want to at least work through to know where they are. We don't want to start talking about sin if they don't even really understand sin. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, Questions or comments on that so far? All right. Let's jump into the back of the book. This is kind of a resource page in page 28. Page 28. And then, in your Bibles, turn to page, uh, okay. turn to 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. All right, so some foundations for our class before we talk about that scripture. Foundations for our class. First thing is, to be an evangelist literally means to be a good newser. So there are individuals in the scriptures, Philip and Timothy are, are named evangelists, that dedicate their lives to good newsing to evangelizing, to sharing that good news. As a profession, that's what they do. Um, But in a sense, we all have good news to share, right? Look at 1 Peter 2.9. Who's got that for me? I want to read that loudly. Go ahead, Fred. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who call you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Okay, you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. 
God chose us to be special in the Beloved. That what? That we what? Proclaim the praises. That we may proclaim His praises. The one who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. That's just another way of saying we're going to be evangelists. We're going to share good news. The good news is we have been saved and redeemed out of darkness into His marvelous light. Um, questions or comments on that? This is going to be, the reason why I started with that is because the second point. This is a class on evangelism. Now, some of you may have heard that and thought, yikes. I don't know. I don't like those classes. Evangelism is a bad word that needs redeeming. Why would I say it's a bad word that needs redeeming? Okay. There are some false concepts of evangelism in the world, maybe uh, more fun or social things. I think so. You're saying, yeah. What about among us, as far as connotations of that word? Scary. Scary. Uh, door knocking. I got to go out and meet strangers and accost them in public and make sure that they know the gospel. Um, there, there's a lot of different things that might be in your head from a lesson that you heard or a class you were in or whatever, and. In my experience, a lot of times those are negative um, because it's scary, it's intimidating. And so here's what I want to, to work on with that. There is a confusion that is, has taken place between role and responsibility. So this is what I like to say. Uh, of, there is the capital E, Timothy, Philip, capital E evangelists, and then there's the lowercase e that all of us are evangelists in that we're giving good news to people. Now, the confusion is the role and the responsibility to give the good news. The role of somebody like Timothy or uh, Kyle or me or somebody who does this uh, all the time, we see someone who is polished, who does it very well, whether that's from ability or whether that's just practice. They talk about the gospel all the time, week to week. They've given opportunities all the time to preach the gospel. And there might be a mixture of both of those things. But we see that and we go, oh, I can't do evangelism. No way. That's not me. I'm not, I'm not able. I don't have the ability to do that. Somebody else could do that who's like Timothy or Philip or Kyle or Austin, but not me. You see the difference there in role versus responsibility? How we all have that. And um, it's a, a little bit like singing. We, some of us like, I don't, I don't like to sing. It's because we've got Frank Sinatra and Celine Dion in our head. Well, it's not about performing. It's about praise, right? And it's the same thing. There are, there are very eloquent speakers who are evangelists with a capital E who have done it a lot in their lives. And then there's the rest of us. We're all evangelists and we're trying to share good news. Um, so, we see this and we think skill. And that's the next point. Evangelism is not something I do. It's something God does with me. Let's say that two times. Evangelism is not something I do. It's something God does with me. How many people, think about your New Testament, the book of Acts, 
How many people rejected the good news because they said, you know, I don't really like how that was delivered. Ah, it could have been said better. How many people in the New Testament did that? Who said? Nothing. No mention of that. That, ah, just the way he came across, the way she came across, this really wasn't for me. There's no mention of that. Um, God uses over and over in the, in the New and the Old broken people to accomplish his will in this world. He uses people who have weaknesses in lots of ways. But he still uses them for his glory if they step in faith. Now, think about it from another angle. Who do you know who has never made a mistake in good newsing? Brady's got a zero here. Let me give you a hint. He's no longer on earth. Jesus. When he shared the gospel of the kingdom, did he ever make a mistake in that? Never once. How successful was he? That's a trick question. Overwhelmingly rejected. But was he successful? Maybe we need to redefine in our minds what does success mean? What does it really mean to be successful with good news? With sharing God's good news? So, that's where we're going to go into evangelism is not. Any comments on these first few points or questions? evangelism not. <laughs> the first one. Again, I'm asking a question. Maybe we need to redefine success. Evangelism is not baptism. You've heard this in questions before. You're talking to somebody and they don't know the church that you're at and they ask, so how many baptisms have you had this year? I've heard someone say, if you're not sowing, or excuse me, if you're not growing, you're not sowing. Is that true? Are we converting people to baptism? Are we trying to convert people to the Lord? We can get people done, but our purpose is to bring them to Christ and to have them be disciples of Him. Our goal, our end goal, that's just the beginning. Baptism. The end goal is that they would love the Lord their God with all their heart. That they would love their neighbors as themselves. So how did God measure the success of the prophets in the Old Testament? Look at Ezekiel chapter 2 with me. Ezekiel chapter 2. And, um, and look at 
Well, let me give the, the context here. Ezekiel has just seen the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord in chapter 1. And in chapter 2, God is going to commission him to speak to the children of Israel. And God's just going to go ahead and let him know it's not going to go well. But listen to what God sees as success here. Okay? Look at 2 and uh, verse 3 down to verse 6. Who's got that one? Go ahead, Aaron. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you the people of Israel to nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are also impudent and stubborn. I send you to them. And you say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Through briars and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. Okay, uh, just a little nugget there on a side note, that last verse. Some of us beat ourselves up and say, we don't have persecution like they used to have. Did you see that he has persecution like we have? Verse 6. What did he say? Don't be afraid of what? Their words and the way they look at you. You ever been looked at funny? <laughs> that happened to Ezekiel. And, and God knew that that would bother him. Just don't be afraid of that. I want you to go and tell the people, thus says the Lord. And the standard of success to God was what would they need to know in verse 5? There was a prophet among them. Now, I understand there's an office of the prophet, and I'm not saying that, that we're all prophets like the New Testament uses it in that way. But my hope is, when I have interactions with people, and I have opportunities with people to talk with them. My hope is that they would have known a prophet was among them. As in someone that wanted to share God's word with them. Now it might, might be absolutely rejected. But at least what God wanted was them to know they had an opportunity. They did have a door that they could have walked through. And so... I, I see this as, um, and other prophets as well, that this is, the, um, this is the standard that God wants his word spread. But he doesn't guarantee success in a way that people will respond favorably. It's successful if people hear or have the opportunity to hear the message. Questions or comments on that text? Or? Yes, sir. I just have a little story. Penn from Penn and Teller. Yes. Uh, he's a noted atheist, uh, very anti everything that has to do with the gospel. But I heard him in an interview tell a story of a man who approached him, uh, had a conversation with him, and gave him a Bible. And he said, I took the Bible and I read it. I didn't agree with it. Um, I don't read it. I didn't read it again. And he said, But that man. The way he approached me made me want to, you know, 
at least give it a shot. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the idea I get in my head of someone being able to approach anyone. I mean, if you can approach one of the, the biggest atheists, or at least outspoken atheists, um, and get them to read the Bible, yeah. um, that's, that's an example of them knowing that, that someone with good intentions was mm -hmm. approaching them. Right. That's right. So it's a story comment that basically an atheist was approached to, uh, why don't you read the Bible? And he, and he started reading it. He didn't agree with it, but he read it. Um, and uh, that was on a good day. On another day, he might have said, no, I don't want that. But we don't know what day people are having. We just don't. And so we, we just continue to try to be lights in the world and try to talk with people about the Lord. To proclaim his praises that's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Um, okay, so the, the, the definition of success, what I was asking about, is baptism the level of success? How many people did Jesus baptize personally? Make sure you're paying attention to John, John 4. That's right. Uh, he, he said that um, in John, it says, Jesus baptized many, though he didn't baptize. His disciples were the ones who baptized. And then Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1, did he baptize a lot of the Corinthians, even though he started that church? He said, I just thank God I baptized Christus and Gaius, and that's it. Uh, because I didn't come to baptize. Now, a lot of people take that out of context and say, baptism means nothing. That's not the same. He's the same. That's not the point of why I'm preaching, to be the baptizer. I'm trying to get people to submit their lives to Jesus. Of course they're going to be baptized. Um, but you all want to follow particular teachers in that context in chapter 1. And so, um, you know, I get questions about our studies. Have you had any baptisms? We want people to be baptized. But the measure of success that I'm seeing is that did they have the opportunity to learn the truth? God will decide, and they'll decide, and God will decide um, uh, if that was successful based on our efforts. Um, so the question then as a group is not how many did we get dunked last year, how many baptisms do we have, but how many did we reach? Is it possible that we had zero baptisms in a year, but we talked to more people about the Lord than we ever have? Yes. That's, that's the hope of this class. Not I want to see you know, these pews filled, but I want to see, I want to hear that we are having these conversations with our friends and we're feeling more comfortable and more confident, not in our power, but in his power. Um, and people will respond. But we just know you either be that find it, right? Jesus taught that. The few would, would respond. Um, all right, the next one is baptism, or excuse me, evangelism is not sales or marketing. We're not trying to drum up contacts. Uh, sometimes I've used that word on accident and sometimes it's loosely and I'll, I'm not the word police. But it, it does have this sense of they're just a contact. Are we trying to get a contact? Who are we trying to reach? The laws. We're, we're trying to reach people with, with hard jobs and hard marriages and, and abuse in their life in situations It's not just I got a contact, and hopefully they'll respond. 
with my you know, uh, correspondence course. But we are trying to get involved with people who are lost. Um, and, and there's another sense in it that we also aren't trying to come up with something catchy to draw people. How did Jesus say he was going to draw people in the Gospels? What did he say? John 12, when he says, um, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men, myself. What does he mean by lifted up there? The cross. Which is a deeper picture than just the cross. It's the forgiveness of God. It's the sacrifice of God for me. I didn't deserve it. And so we're trying to appeal with that. If Jesus is not enough for you, then that's all I can offer. That's it. And that's all you can offer. Now, we get into weeds about some of that where some people, they don't understand who Jesus is. And that goes back to begin in the beginning, wherever they are with that. I have the um, blessing uh, a month ago to read with Two people, the crucifixion of Jesus for the very first time. They've ne- had never read it in their in their life, and there were tears shed. We just got to meet people where they are. They heard about Jesus dying, but they've never ever read it. So it's not just about getting a contact. It's about involving ourselves with people. The next one's interesting. Um, oh, well, well, actually, any comments on baptism or sales or marketing or questions? Here's some people that say, well, we just got to get them in the building. Yes. Get them in the building. They, they compromise and, and brainstorm on new ways to get them in the building. And I've, I've heard even elders before say, well, we just, we just get them in there, and then they're going to teach them. It's, it's almost like teaching doesn't happen until you get in there, mm-hmm. in some people's minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, and that's where I think with, and, and I'm not saying you're saying this at all, I agree with you 100%. I do think we have to be, kind of like the beginning, the beginning thing, you have to be mindful where people are. Um, there are people that I've known, and you know, you know one of them, uh, who just walked in to a church service and have learned the gospel. So it does happen. But this idea that this is the avenue, this is the way to heaven, is to get them in these walls. That's the one method in, a, in another mass, right? That's, here's the method. That Christ used the church to convert people in this church building. This is where they're going to be converted. Is the, gospel, is the gospel preached here? Yes. Can it save souls? 100%. So we always need to be balanced in that. Um, but 100% agree with you as well. We've got to be careful not to run to, here's the one solution. Yeah. Other things? Yes? It also can't be the success or the end goal. Which part? Sparing the building, oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that's good. And then, you know, six months later, maybe even after they're baptized, we never see them or hear from them again. Um, just getting them in the door isn't, sure. isn't the, the end goal. Sure. And 
there was also a time in this country where a lot of people, when they were looking for God, they went and visited churches. That's kind of changed. People feel comfortable with that. But uh, So there's just different cultural shifts that happen. And maybe it'll happen again. Where there's a lot of people that just want to come to a church building. All right, let's take advantage of that. I'm not against that. But it can't stop there. Darren? I had a, I had a thought kind of goes off of what Barrett said. This is, I'm guilty of this too, but in some of our young, up to high school level classes, a lot of us uh, have seen the method of teaching here, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. And sometimes I feel there's a lack of continuation with the remain, stay, stay faithful, remain faithful. And I've seen that, I've seen that in my life as a very novice uh, Bible study teacher, Bible class teacher, and what I can consider that, but now that he brought that up, I thought, yeah, you know, that, that baptism, and what we're, that's not the end goal, it's, it's something that I'm, I'm going to be more mindful of, is to, there's a continuation of that. Yes, yes, and spoiler alert, we're going to get there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to talk about evangelism doesn't end. It's a continuation of, of rooting and grounding people in faith. Um, very good. All right. Uh, service. Evangelism is not service. First of all, should Christians serve the community around them? Should they get a resounding yes? Okay? 100% agree with that. They should. But hear me out. Even the Kiwanis Club does that. Even the Rotary does that. Habitat for Humanity does that. So how are we different? Hey, our service is not, again, not sales. It's not, I uh, get my foot in the door and then I can offer the study. Service is not sales. But service has a higher calling. Remember Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, that they would see our good works and what? Glorify our God. And so there, there should be a communication there that I'm not doing this because I'm in the Kiwanis Club. I'm doing this because I love you. I'm serving you. I'm trying to help you. And there's a greater need that I've seen. And I want to talk to you about it. Let, let me give you an example here. Um, it, what if you took to the same house, this elderly lady, single, needs help, you took to the same house for 20 years a meal. Every week you took her a meal. She died, and you never said anything to her about Jesus. Did you serve her? Did you love her? Her greatest need went unmet. So service is wonderful, and we need to be about that, but that's not evangelism. We, we have to go beyond just serving people. Lastly, sir, uh, evangelism is not parenting. Okay, I'm not saying that we don't share the gospel with our children. That is a part of evangelism. What I'm saying here is we don't pit parenting against evangelism. Well, that's nice, but I don't have time for that because I've got kids. 
and I'm busy with kids. I have heard that. We, we see real people in the New Testament who had families, who went and shared the gospel with people. It's not a, um, something that we, we can say it's an either or. I don't have time because I have kids. And I'll tell you this. If, I, if you feel that way tonight, I want to hope to encourage you in this class to see that differently. That our kids can and our kids must see that their life is about sharing God with others. They need to see that in you and that needs to be a part of their life. They're going to learn that from you. You're their greatest example. And we want them to do that too one day. All right. Um, any comments or questions on service or parenting? Awesome. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Is there something, is there a transfer of, of goods like sales? Yes. Are there, are there, are there going to be uh, analogous situations in sales? Sure. But to have a sales mindset is what I think about that. And we'll talk more about being prepared. I think that's one of the other uh, feeling very negative about evangelism ideas. How do I feel prepared versus being prepared? And, and we can talk more about that. Um, very good comment. Um, evangelism is blank. This is what I got at the bottom here. If you're a note taker, I'm a mix. Sometimes I take notes, sometimes I don't. But if you're a note taker, evangelism is giving my life for others. That's the title of this class. I'm going to ask some hard things. In this class. And I, and I don't mean hard things as like, go, let's go door knocking and we're going to do a check mark. What I mean is, if you want to help people know the Lord, people's lives are messy. It's hard. And you're not going to reach people at arm's length. And you just come to me whenever you want the gospel. We've got to be involved with people. And we have to give our lives to them. 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to finish there. 2 Corinthians 4. And while you're turning there, 2 Corinthians 2 through 4 is what we're going to cover next class. So if you want to read that ahead of time, you'll be very prepared. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 12, we'll finish here. Paul says about the life that they're struggling with as apostles and what they're doing for Jesus, he calls it death. Verse 12. So then death is working in us, but life in you. We die so that others may live. That's what I hope that we'll work through in this class. Thank you so much for your attention tonight.